Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the third letter of St. John. Beloved, you are faithful in all you do for the brothers and sisters, especially for strangers. They have testified to your love before the church. Please help them in a way worthy of God to continue in their journey. For they have set out for the sake of the name and are accepting nothing from the pagans. Therefore, we ought to support such persons so that we may be co-workers in the truth. The word of the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Blessed, Blessed the is the man who fears, fears the Lord. Lord. Blessed the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commands. His posterity shall be mighty upon the earth. The upright generation shall be blessed. Blessed, Blessed be the, the man, man who fears, fears the Lord. Lord. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. His generosity shall endure forever. Light shines through the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and merciful and just. Blessed be the man man who fears the Lord. Well for the man who is gracious and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. He shall never be moved. The just one shall be in everlasting remembrance. Blessed the man who fears the Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told his disciples a parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. He said, There was a judge in a certain town who neither feared God nor respected any human being. And a widow in that town used to come to him and say, Render a just decision for me against my adversary. For a long time, the judge was unwilling. But eventually he thought, while it is true that I neither fear God nor respect any human being, because this widow keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision for her, lest she finally come and strike me. The Lord said, pay attention to what the dishonest judge says. Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him day and night? Will he be slow to answer them? I tell you, he will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What a marvelous gift the priesthood is. It takes... the form that the first reading indicates setting out for the sake of the name, the reading says, and being co-workers in the truth. The priest, in other words, is acting in the person of Christ, as our church describes it to us. Christ Jesus himself, who is alive, who is Lord, who is reigning over the universe, is still preaching his gospel, 
is still offering the saving truth to the world, is still serving the poor and the needy, opening the eyes of the blind, causing the lame to leap, raising the dead, forgiving sin, giving people his command of love. We're not just doing these things in memory of Jesus. We're not doing these things simply imitating Jesus. We're not just looking back at a far distant time and to a far distant place and trying to recreate the ministry of Jesus. It's none of that, brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ is here, alive. Just as alive as he was when he called those apostles and said, go forth and proclaim the kingdom of God. He's with us here in all his fullness. And he is the one proclaiming his gospel, reconciling sinners, and bringing about the fullness of the kingdom of God. It's not looking back simply. There's part of that is we're looking back, of course, at his earthly ministry, do this in memory of me, and so forth. He will remind you of all that I taught you, he said, of the Holy Spirit. So there's a dimension, there's an element of looking back. Of course, we're living in time, we're living in history. But the Christ on whom we look back is just as much here now. And the priesthood is one part of that, not the whole thing. Because he's present in the whole church, Jesus says. He's in the Eucharist. He's present in his word. He's present where two, wherever two or three are gathered in his name. He's present by his spirit, which you have all received by your baptism and confirmation. So he's present in and among all of us. But there is a particular kind of presence in his chosen and ordained ministers of the gospel. And this is where the, the teaching of the Catholic faith is so marvelous about the priesthood because it says the priest is acting in the person of Christ when especially he administers those sacraments that bring the forgiveness of sin and what we are about to do here in the Eucharist that bring us his body and blood. Because the priest in the moment of confession says, I absolve you. The priest at the moment of the consecration says, this is my body. Let's just take those two moments to reflect on this. I absolve you from your sins. How in the world can any human being say that? A sin is an offense against God. Only God can, can forgive that. It's an offense against God. If somebody offends you, and then they want forgiveness, they can't get it from me. they got to get it from you. And yet what Jesus has done is as he has appointed priests and said, I am going to absolve that person's sins when they repent, but I'm going to do it through you. 
I'm gloriously reigning in heaven. I'm, not, I'm on earth, but I'm not walking around on earth in human form. I'm going to choose you, and I'm going to allow you to say, I absolve you from your sins. Because I will be absolving the sins. You, you will be acting in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. See, some of our brothers and sisters who follow the Lord Jesus and know like we do that he is the only savior, the only mediator between God and the human family, will think about this and will say, well, wait a minute, you're putting a human being in place of Christ or you're establishing some kind of extra or added mechanism of mediation with God or salvation. No, that's not it at all. There is no other way but Christ. What we are saying is that one and only Savior, that one and only mediator, that one and only channel of grace and salvation is operating in this particular way by choosing particular people through whom he will bring about that forgiveness. This is my body. I don't stand there in the Eucharist and say, this is Christ's body. I say, this is my body at that moment of the consecration. The priest is acting in the person of Christ. This should remind us, and Archbishop Fulton Sheen said this well when somebody was praising him for his preaching and said, oh, well, you are, you are very holy. And he said, well, don't think I'm holy because my preaching inspires you. Those are gifts given by God for the building up of the body of Christ. Those are gifts given to certain people so that other people will be inspired in their discipleship. But that doesn't mean that the person exercising those gifts is holy. The person exercising those gifts, and the priesthood itself is in this category, is holy only if he is obeying the Lord and is united with his will and is serving and loving him above all things, and is following the commandments, and is living in the Spirit. This, these are the things that make us holy. It has nothing to do with how good our preaching is, or whether we are a priest, or a bishop, or a pope, or anybody else. So the gift given in the priesthood is for the building up of the body of Christ. But we at the same time have the obligation ourselves to obey those those commands and live out those graces. That's why the priest who absolves sins also has to go to confession himself. The priest who distributes the Eucharist must also be receiving it, and so on and so forth. The priest who preaches about virtue must be practicing virtue. And because Jesus Christ is life, the priest must be a proclaimer, defender, and servant of life. My vocation as a priest is not different from my vocation as a pro-life leader. It is all one vocation given to me specifically and I've been given the grace to devote my entire ministry every hour of the day, every day of the year, every action I undertake, every effort I expend, for the unborn. Now we can say for life, life is, is a big concept. You know, life is, is, is the eternal life that we proclaim in Christ. Life is human life from conception to natural death. Life is, is to every issue is an issue of life. Otherwise, why is it an issue at all? 
So we're not talking here in the broad sense. I'm talking in a very specific sense about a mission to defend the unborn, the children in the womb, the most defenseless of all, I've been given the privilege to first of all have received the call to defend them as my full-time focus. And you know it happened at the same time as I felt the call to the priesthood. This was in my senior year of high school. This was in 1976. That's when I went to the third annual March for Life in Washington as a high school student. And I went to public schools, by the way, not, not Catholic or religious schools. And since then, this calling to priesthood and to pro-life have been intertwined inextricably. And it was after a few years in priesthood serving in a parish that I came to the conviction that I needed to do this full time. Well, the Lord has blessed Bless that immensely as I complete 34 years of priesthood. This coming year, I complete 30 years of serving full-time in national pro-life leadership. A priest is called to defend the unborn. Not all of us, or in fact, most of us are not called to do it full-time. But we are called to do it with full hearts and voices. Because Christ is life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I have come that they may have life. Jesus defined his mission in terms of life. And if we are people, likewise, as Jesus did, who stand up for the most vulnerable, those on the outskirts of society, who go to the blind man and heal him, although the crowd is saying to him, shut up. Who go to Zacchaeus, who's hiding up in the tree and says, come down, I'm going to eat at your house. Who welcomes the children despite the effort of the apostles to, to shoo them away. Who heals the lepers despite the societal wall that was put up between them and the rest of the people, who spoke to the Samaritan woman, although the Jews have nothing in common with Samaritans, who ate with tax collectors and sinners, although others shunned them, and in whom, as Paul says, there is no slave or free Jew or Gentile, man or woman, so in Christ there is no born or unborn. We are all called by Almighty God, by His infinite love, into being and into salvation. As Christ is the one who goes to those most marginalized by society and victimized by false barriers that we place up against them, he is to be a proclaimer of the rights of the unborn. To show the love that we all have to have for them. And all of us are called to that very same thing. So thank you for the prayers and the blessings that you bring. And let's all take the words of this reading today as an inspiration to recommit ourselves, be co-workers in the truth, the reading says. The truth that life is sacred. The truth that the unborn are our brothers and sisters. The truth that public officials are called to protect them. Yes, religion and politics mix. Yes, the priesthood and politics mix. We can't be 
neutral when it comes to fundamental moral imperatives. Co-workers in the truth that Jesus Christ is the only Savior and that we must proclaim his name to the ends of the earth. Co-workers in the truth of the fullness of the faith handed on from Christ and the apostles. Co-workers in the truth of God's mercy and love. Let us work together for as long as God wants us to do so and until he comes again. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.